My goal for the Just 7 Steps podcast is to help share the value of evidence-based behavioral education to a wider, more diverse audience. I want every parent of every child to know the secrets of developing a great relationship with your child while still being able to guide them to becoming their best selves. Parents have one of the hardest and most important jobs in the world. And the truth is most parents are not given the useful practical information they need to help them to do this job most effectively. Behavior analysis is the best tool we have in supporting education and raising our kids, but often it's kept hidden behind complex language and a restricted view of how it can be used. My goal is to bring this information to you in clear, interesting, and useful ways. Having worked in behavior analysis for over 20 years, I have boiled down the most important aspects of behavioral information to just seven steps. And I teach these steps to parents and professionals worldwide in the hopes of giving more children the hand they need in learning how to navigate this world. Today's show will be right in line with these goals because today I have a special treat for you. I get to interview a bright and fun young occupational therapist named John Prisbal. Today on Just 7 Steps. Welcome to the Just 7 Steps podcast with Robert Schramm, a board-certified behavior analyst, educator, author, and developer of the 7 Steps to Successful Parenting. For more than 20 years, Robert has been teaching parents and professionals how to support children in developing the values and priorities necessary to live a successful life. In this podcast, you'll hear from some of the biggest experts in the fields of education, parenting, and behavior analysis. So buckle in and get ready for a wild ride where you'll learn to be your best in just seven steps. I'm Robert Schramm, a behavior analyst, education specialist, author, and dad. And I'm also the developer of the seven steps to instructional motivation. Some of you might know that in 2018, I moved my family to British Columbia, Canada after 14 years living and working in Germany. And one of the first people that I was lucky enough to meet was John Prisbal. In fact, I think it was my first day in Canada and we met on a very challenging nine-hole course on the side of a hill, if I remember correctly. John had been with the company just a couple of years at that time that I arrived, and he was a fun and dedicated professional who I liked right away. And at one point, we shared responsibility for the Penticton, BC office. Check out this picture of us from an office Christmas party we had just a few years ago. John's experiences were fairly typical in that his education and occupational therapy had not included much in the way of behavior analysis. And John was reasonably skeptical about bringing in concepts and techniques from outside of his field, particularly those in ABA, which he had not had many experiences with previously to meeting me. We worked together with several pediatric clients and as part of our collaborations, I was able to introduce him to the use of behavioral interventions through the seven steps to instructional motivation. John has even quoted on my website as saying, I've always thought that using behavioral principles meant using typical ABA procedures, and this isn't a philosophy that I necessarily agreed with, which made it hard to utilize them in my daily practice. Robert's seven steps to instructional motivation, however, provided a clear guideline to follow and to allow me to continue to make my therapy sessions fun and productive. The mindset of making my sessions at least 75% fun really helped raise the level of my therapy, 
I've actually found that my sessions not only have more trials, uh, but it's easier to get my clients to participate in those trials and they have fun doing that. I've also found that I can share the information with parents who can then use the strategies at home, which makes carryover much more successful as well. So John got his undergraduate degree in sports, health, and physical education at Vancouver Island University. He followed that with his master's in occupational therapy from the University of Manitoba, where he graduated in 2016. Immediately after earning his degree, he began his career at the company we eventually began working together for. Uh, he was there from 2016 to 2021, working with a mixed population of children and adults, but eventually began to focus his practice in on pediatrics. Since March 2021, John has run his own practice in Kelowna, BC, and focuses on children ages 2 to 19. Many of his children are diagnosed with autism, but he also works in some private schools and distance learning. One thing anyone who knows him can say is that John is a great guy and a hardworking professional, so it's my pleasure to be able to introduce him to my audience here at Just 7 Steps. Ladies and gentlemen, my old work colleague and friend and everyone's favorite OT, John Prisball. Hello, John. How are you doing today, sir? Good, good. Nice to see you, Robert. Yeah, it's so good of you to join us here. I really, uh, I really do appreciate you coming and uh, taking time out of your day to, to speak with my audience. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, uh, are you getting ready for the new school year? How's business going for you? Good, good. Yeah, I, it's it's crazy. It seems like school just ended, but at the same time, I, I look at my calendar here. It's already July 18th, so um, you know things will be ramping up uh, pretty quickly. Get back in the schools or get prepared to get back in. Sometimes I do some uh, professional development with with teachers a little bit before school starts, and and right now it's kind of busy with parents and families and wanting a little bit extra services over the summer to get their kids ready for the school year. So yeah, it's it's a, it's a busy time now, even though it's summer. But uh, looking forward to back to the routine in September here. Well, good for you. Well, I mentioned earlier I mentioned that you were um, on your own now, uh, running your own uh, service. Uh, what what do you call yourself? Uh, yeah, so I'm JP Therapy. So John Prisbel, um shortened it to JP, and and that's that's the name of my company. So pretty easy. All right. So any of those folks out in BC who are looking for a good uh, occupational therapist are going to def definitely look for JP Therapy. Um, so listen, John, I have an audience that might not have a child with a diagnosis and might not have heard of uh, occupational therapy. Uh, how would you describe your work? What does occupational therapy address and, and what are the general goals of OT? Yeah, so occupational therapy, um, you know, at its core is, is getting people, whether they be kids or adults or seniors, is getting people back to functional goals. Um, and so that could be anything that people want to do, need to do, or have to do. Um, and so for kids, right, that's typically focused on, you know, self-care goals, uh, whether that be toileting, eating, feeding, dressing, toothbrushing, showering, bathing, those types of things. Um, but also, you know, things like getting, getting to school, doing things like writing, um, do a lot of printing stuff, um, gross motor skills, fine motor skills. Um, so it's, yeah, a lot of goal setting in those areas and then, uh, going for it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I quoted you earlier in the, uh, in my introduction, uh, that, and in that quote, you said that before working with me and the seven steps, 
you were someone who didn't necessarily agree with the ABA philosophy. Um, do you mind sharing what it was that, that you had experienced that it caused you to have concerns about ABA as a methodology uh, for therapy? And how did the seven steps change that concern or, or alter your opinion in any way? Yeah, well, I think when, when you know, uh, well, I like to think that a lot of uh, methods of change, especially in terms of ABA, and I know a lot of families, when when they think of the old school ABA, it can be a little bit scary and how things used to be run. And, and so when, when I first came into the business and heard about it, I think that was kind of a little off-putting, right? How, how the styles used to be. But, but after learning the seven steps and seeing that it's not like that at all and that it can still be totally client-centered, so family and child-centered and fun um, and engaging and uh, not scary at all, that that was something that I could latch on to as, as helpful. So you'd say that that the, the, the idea you had in your head of what ABA was supposed to be or was, was kind of a real rigid, formulated, um, kind of captured learning type of a situation um, where they're forcing kids to learn things uh, against their will, so to speak. Is, is that kind of what the picture you had in your mind? Yeah, I, I, that and then, you know, the use of negative reinforcement. Um, and, and so, yeah, all of that combined is kind of quite off-putting. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I had envisioned to start with. Yeah. But um, since we started working together, you got to see that that it was mostly just this idea of understanding behavioral principles and using them to support you and whatever your goals are and trying to do. So when we worked together, um, did you find that uh, learning the seven steps uh, as a set of guidelines was easy to understand and for you to implement? Yeah. So I'm trying to think back when, when we first started, when you first came to Meridian, I think you offered a couple of courses around um, the Okanagan, which is, which is where we live here or where I live now. Um, and, and so I attended your, I think it was a three day course, right. And so got a lot of great information from that, but then I was obviously a little bit lucky because you and I were coworkers that I could delve a little bit deeper into it and, and see how you ran things with your clients. And then you could come in and we, we had joint clients. And so you could really help and, and, and guide me into how things worked uh, sharing common goals. Right. And so I got Got a little bit of a deeper perspective of it, but but um, yeah, seeing how it worked, it, it was super easy to to understand and and um, kind of uh, implement in my practice. So, if we were to go back over the seven steps, um, and I'm just going to just you know briefly mention them again, just yeah. uh, to give you a quick refresher or reminder before I ask this question. Um, the seven steps, basically, step one, identifying and organizing uh, reinforcement. Uh, step two, building a positive relationship. Uh, step three, knowing how and when to give important instructions. Step four, using positive reinforcement for good responding and effort. Step five, building expectations slowly over time and from success. Step six, focusing on the child's priorities and creating your own. And then step seven, troubleshooting why the first six steps haven't worked to give you that happy engagement that you're looking for and what you can do to, to start to get that. Um, of those of the seven steps, uh, what was it that that you think was the one or two steps that might have given you the most helpful aha moments uh, or had the biggest impact on your teaching at the time uh, that it was presented to you? 
Well, I always find it funny because <clears throat> when you work with other professionals, we all kind of have our own lingo that we use, but, but generally we're all speaking the same language, right? And so um, when we look back at it, you know, step, step number six, focusing on the child's priorities and, and I think the family's priorities and then creating your own, right? That's, that's really setting um, <clears throat> client-centered goals, and so um, we're, we're doing the exact same thing, right? What is it that the child needs to do um, or wants to do or has to do, right? And how do we make those goals and, and what's the child's priorities? What do they want to be able to do? And then what does the family need the child to be able to do? So that, that goal right there makes sense, whether you're talking occupational therapy, behavior, um, yeah, any, any types of those. So that was an easy one for me to kind of understand, right? And then the other one um, that I found, again, super similar, right? Just different lingo is building expectations slowly and over time. When we look at that, that's really creating smart goals, right? And, and a smart goal is specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time measured. And so I think if we build expectations too much and make it not unrealistic for the kid, we're going to just get bogged down parents and children aren't going to achieve goals, things aren't going to get worked on, and, and, and things are, progress is going to stall. But when we make it so that they're realistic and the child can achieve them, then we start building momentum and we can see changes. So uh, those two goals for me or those two steps were like pretty easy comparisons into the OT world. Yeah, awesome. And, and you mentioned um, in the quote that I have on uh, my website that uh, that focus of, of 75% fun, uh, never more than 25% uh, instructions or expectations or work um, was also something that you found um, a great reminder for everyone working with kids. Yeah, I think I always go back to that um, because it is so important with these kids. And, and you know, as soon as it feels like work, um, it's just they're, they're just not going to want to participate. So, you know, constantly I'm trying to figure out how do we incorporate goals into, into play and making it fun and making these kids want to come back. Um, because if we, if we don't have that fun aspect, um, we're not going to achieve anything. And so always putting that in the back of my mind is super helpful. Yeah. I think that's the, the big mistake that most therapists make when they're new and when they first get started is they start with the idea of what the goals are that they want to achieve. And then they try to find things that they can use. Uh, maybe they don't use the term reinforcement, but they try to find things that they can use to reinforce the child to continue to work on those goals rather than trying to find things that you and the child can do together that are fun, that you both enjoy, that the child would want to engage in, and then figure out how to slip or sneak some of those important goals into that play and into that fun. Uh, I think it's you really want to turn that around and look at that the other way. And, and that's a big change for a lot of uh, therapists coming out of school, don't you think? I, I agree with you. And I fell into that as well, right? You, you want to come in and, and kind of in a way, insert yourself and show how important you are and how much skills you have and, and all of the material that you can teach families and, and bring to these kids and families. And, and you're, you, you know, you forget that major aspect that they're, they're still kids, right? Yeah. And, and they need to have fun. They want to have fun. Everything should be about fun. Um, and so having that in the back of your mind is super important. Well, it's good that you remember that they're just kids because now you've got your own kids, Congratulations. 
Um, I think you had uh, one young baby when I, when I left you, but now you've got two kids. I do. Yeah. Two, two little ones still. So one is three and a half and, and one's one and a half. So they're running around keeping me busy. Hey, how do you think um, parenting your own children is compared to working with other people's kids? Do you think there's a, a, any kind of, is it more challenging? Is it easier? Is there more emotions involved? Um, What do you think? Well, I mean, you know, uh, in, in our field of work, I I think we, we come to build a a nice toolbox of tips and tricks and stuff like that, that we use with families. And so inherently, I think you're just going to use them on your own kids. And and I catch myself doing that all the time. Right. Um, But there, there certainly is those points where you got to be, you know, shut off your work brain and, and less focus on reaching goals and whatever, and, and going back to just having fun and, and, um, you know, I'm sure to my wife would say uh, she doesn't like when I give her things all the time that we need to work on and whatnot. So, um, yeah, it, it's definitely got its pros and cons, but um, but it is it is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Having the skills is always a benefit, whether or not you want to use them in the moment. Right. That's yeah. the thing you have to remind yourself not to always be not to always be working. Yeah. Um, but I am proud. I actually am proud of the fact that I uh, raised my kids. Uh, with the seven steps um, as a backdrop for everything that I do, because that's how I interact with people in general. That's the, that's the, the guidelines by which I try to have good relationships with people. So um, I think it's, I think it's definitely helped. Um, But I do know that a lot of professionals that I speak with do find it a little bit more challenging sometimes to work with their own kids because the emotional, uh, the emotional connection is so much stronger that when you when you see something in another family and you say, oh, well, it's OK, he's going to be all right. This is part of the learning process. But then when it's your own kid, you're like, yeah, but I'm feeling every emotion he's feeling or she's feeling. Uh, how do I deal with that? And I just was curious if you've if you've noticed any of that as well. I have for sure. Yeah, there's there's been points where you're like, oh, OK, I just need to be, you know, dad for a second here. Right. Or, or I need to be dad for a while. And, and, and then there's other times you're like, okay, I, I see what's going on here. And, and, and let's, let's work through this a little bit because um, I can see where this could go. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, there's a, there's a balance for sure. Yeah. It, I think um, it's nice to have the tools and to know that you can use them when you need them. Like quite often with my own kids, um, uh, I know we didn't plan to talk about this, but um, quite often with my own kids, you know, we'll see, I'll see a behavior here or there and I'll be like, okay, that's not really ideal, um, but I don't really worry too much about it. And I may not follow every step or everything that I would normally do if I was teaching a family how to do it, because I know that my goal for that family is to give them the tool to allow them to use that tool as they want. And I have the tool, mm-hmm. but I don't have to always be using it. Right. I mean, there's going to be yeah. times where I need my kids to just make their mistakes and, and be kids and to challenge me and to push boundaries. And that's okay. But I do know that if things ever get to the point where they're problematic or if they get to the point where um, I'm unhappy with the way things are going in the relationship or what it's doing to them, or I see a long-term um, detriment to them, then I have those tools to fall back on and to start using. And so um, that's always given me confidence. Uh, I think that's part of the reason why I'm trying to make uh, the seven-step courses available uh, to more families, uh, even if parents of typical children, uh, kids without any diagnosis at all. I just want families uh, to have these this set of tools to work with. So it's it's 
been over, God, it's been over a year since we last worked together. Um, would you still recommend the seven steps to parents that you work with or to other OTs and SLP professionals as a way to bring some proven behavioral principles into your therapy? Uh, yeah, yeah I, I would for sure. And I, and I have, and, and I do think that it's valuable. Um, and, and I think it's once, once you understand the seven steps and, and, and how easily they kind of fit together, um, I do think that it's it's a helpful tool to have and that parents can use it. It, it kind of what you were saying about, you know, able to have it in their back pocket. Um, and I think it's super helpful. So, so yeah, I, I, I would still definitely recommend it. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, so I'm curious, um, you're in British Columbia, Canada. What are your thoughts on the upcoming autism therapy funding changes that are taking place there? I know it's got a lot of professionals worried. Uh, what's your take for those that live and work with the autistic population in BC. Oh yeah. It's uh, it's a little, it's a little worrisome for sure. Um, I, I think that it's the, the model that they've chosen is not going to be helpful, whether that be for families that have a child with autism or a different diagnosis or no diagnosis um, that still might need help with something. I, I don't think that this is the model that should be used um, for specifically parents with autism, uh, children with autism, it really means that they're losing control of their funding and they lose that autonomy. Um, and I think that's scary for a lot of families, um, to kind of be told who they have to see and what they have to do and when they have to do it. And all of that is, is a little bit scary. So uh, this model is, is, is not helpful in my opinion. I I've kind of taken it from a perspective of trying to look at it from an OT, um, from, from a family's perspective. And then I also sit on the board for autism BC. And, and so a perspective from, you know, a holistic for the autism community. And I just can't see any benefits of the way that this, this funding is going. Um, so I hope that, you know, with some advocacy and there's pretty strong advocacy groups right now, hopefully that they can get through here and, uh, and, and make some, some changes for the better before this gets off the ground. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of my audience is not in Canada. Um, they're, you know, pretty much all over the world, but funding is an issue everywhere. And sometimes funding uh, systems are getting better. Um, but more often than not, what you find is that governments are trying to save money uh, and in doing so uh, will make these adjustments uh, to the funding that is available. And they always couch it as somehow that this is going to be better. Um, but I'm glad to see uh, that you, uh, you know, along with many others are, are realizing that, or not realizing, but seeing that that's not necessarily the case, that even though they say they're giving families more and better, it's exactly the opposite that seems to be happening. So um, people really need to step up. Uh, they need to, to fight for their funding. They need to fight for their kids' um, opportunities um, to be able to get the services that they need. So uh, I wish you the best of luck with that fight. Thank you. Yeah. Before we finish, is there anything else uh, on your mind? Uh, anything that you've been focused on in your teaching uh, that you'd like to mention to the audience here? Things that you want people to focus on just in general? 
Well, <clears throat> I think for my practice in general, um, you know, one of the things that I really focus on and what it all comes back to is that relationship. Um, and we've, it's kind of intertwined uh, about what we've, you know, discussed today and, and how important it is and, and, you know, whatever terms we're using or lingo we're using for professionals, I think it all comes back to the relationships, right? And so, especially from an occupational therapist or, or a therapist in general, right? Like, we're, we're seeing these children when, you know, they're like two, three, four, somewhere between the three and six range when they're first diagnosed, and then they can stay with us for many, many years. And, and it all comes back to, you know, relationships and, and, and how well we're able to work with these kids. Um, I know you're a sports guy and, and I'm a big sports guy too. And, and so if, if we're not making things fun and engaging right in, in our practices, uh, kids aren't going to want to come back and they're not going to want to play for us. They're not going to want to work hard for us. They're not going to want to do any of those things in terms of sports. And I think it's the exact same with, with kids, right? If, if we want them to complete their goals and, and, and do well, right. We've got to have those relationships and, and similar with families. Right. And so we're really building that trust and, and um, so, that's kind of what it focuses on or what my practice focuses on anyways, is those relationships. So, yeah, yeah I think, I think that that's um, always been a, a kind of a focus of my development of the seven steps is I really wanted to uh, work on motivation and understanding why kids would want to engage in the things that I want to teach them. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's, if there's anything that, that we can push uh, the, the, the universities and the education departments uh, who are churning out therapists is to really get them focused on that motivation. So yeah, I'll tell you what, John, it's uh, it's really nice catching up with you. Um, I, I wish you the absolute best with your company, uh, JP therapy. And for any of you families up there in uh, beautiful BC, Canada, check out John and, and see what he's doing. Uh, I'm sure you'll be uh, very glad that you, you had a chance to work with him. Um, seriously, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with my audience today. You rock. And, uh, uh, I really appreciate you being here. Thanks, Robert. Thanks. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, you're the best and, uh, we'll, we will talk again soon. I hope, um, and, uh, good luck to your family and your kids and you let me know how things are going. Thanks. Thanks. All All right. Take care, John. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for taking the time to join me today on the just seven steps podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take just a moment to leave me a comment, give a thumbs up, share the video with others and subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you won't miss out on any of our Just 7 Steps videos designed to help parents of children with challenges find your family's path to progress. See you right here next week.